0: The failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time.
1: Making changes takes courage. And if we don't change things, we won't have a future.
2: I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood
0: with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not.
2: Zero Carbon Easter.
1: Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter. I'm Ian Collins. The summer is over. Well, more or less. The kids are back at school. The lockdown is in some kind of unfathomable state of flux. And we return with series two. It seems that in the time we've been away, merely a few weeks, the environmental agenda is busier than ever. We'll be tucking into that shortly. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, here's an explainer. This series is essentially about the views campaigns and thoughts of one man, Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist. He built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company also happens to be the chairman of forest green rovers and as you would expect on each episode we bring you the dominating issues from the biggest agenda on the planet right now the environment and climate change and dale it's good to see you back have you spent the summer hanging in a hammock in barbados i think that's what your (laughs) public need to know
2: now, I've been here uh, fairly busy. I mean, it's been kind of like uh, the rest of lockdown, really, for me, just without podcasts to record. Um, uh, August has flown by. I dropped my younger son off to school today for the first time and, and said to him, six months has flown by, actually, because it was, you know, since March that he's been there. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But it, but it feels like, you know, the world's getting back to normality now. That's how it feels. Indeed. And, uh, and yeah, as you say, there's a whole bunch of eco stuff going on.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess this takes us nicely into it. <laughs>
0: climate change kicks in, the level of disruption is going to be off the scale. I mean, if you think what we did on the tubes matters, I'm sorry to feel emotional about this. It was justified because we are actually in the long run trying to save people. What you've seen in terms of disruption is nothing.
1: These are the Extinction Rebellion protests, of course. Uh, around about five or six days, I think, they've been going in the capital, about five, 600 arrests. So far, um, of course, that's that's part and parcel of the deal for many people who protest. I mean, what's your we've been over this territory many times, of course, and uh, the message that I think most of the people on those protests are, are trying to get out there is really rather simple.
2: Yeah, I love the quote in the clip. I love what's said there. Uh, I love the fact that these guys are back and uh, as i was writing my book i don't want to over mention that's a standing joke between me and my youngest son when we go on lockdown walks we'll talk about stuff trump what's happening in the world and i'll say oh that's in my book <laughs> and he groans and eye rolls but XR are in the book. I, th- I felt they were on the verge of a breakthrough before lockdown. Uh, that you know They really cut through with the message and particularly with the tactics. And I'm just saying in the book, like, I hope these guys come back. And, and here they are. So that's great.
1: Yeah. And in terms of getting that message across, Extinction Rebellion are known for, for peacefully protesting. There's there's no controversy in that sense, which, which I, I suppose feeds into the simplicity of what's being said here.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is peaceful. It's very direct. Um, you know, they're not the only people that do stuff like that. Sea Shepherd are also peaceful and very direct. But, you know, Extinction Rebellion have, have taken protest to another level. You know, they are very strategic with it. Uh, it's very disrupted by design. And it's at a scale that we've just not seen before. Hmm. You know, for them, it's not enough just to march down the street shouting slogans. And I get that. They're right. You know, they're they're actually out to disrupt life and say, look, we can't carry on as we are and we won't allow it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I I spoke this week because Extinction Rebellion always talk about the the cross section of people uh, that that protest. And I, I interviewed a couple of Tories, what you would call in many other respects, right wing Tories, Brexit supporters, patriotic, flag waving, save the last night at the prom songs, all of that. But we're also protesting with Extinction Rebellion.
2: And that's great, isn't it? Because, I mean, the climate crisis cuts across all demographics and all politics. And when you understand the real risk that we're facing, then I think, you know, everybody can embrace it, including right-wing Tories. You know, even yeah. Donald Trump could if he got it. Um, and, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, it is the biggest issue that we face that we have to deal with. It's way bigger than the virus crisis that we seem to be coming out the back end of just for now anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and if we don't grasp it, then... You know, it's, it's all going to go very
1: bad. And of course, Trump knows more about it than most people, as he's told us
2: many times. Yeah. He said that once or twice. Didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, also,
1: this story: sewage sludge containing human waste from the Netherlands has been passed for import to the UK. This is to be used on farmland as fertilizer, but huge concerns over the safety of its use. What are we making of this? I've never, never heard of such
2: a thing. I love it. <laughs> I love it because, you know. Uh, as I said on social media, Britain's not just in the toilet under 10 years of Tory rule, we've become the toilet of uh, the toilet of <laughs> <in> Europe. <laughs> That's a shocker. And, you know, it's so funny. This is this is Brexit we're talking about. This is taking back control. And, and all we're really doing is just taking shit from Europe in a different way. <laughs> By the bucket the dirty, load, yeah. Absolutely. We were the dirty man of Europe before we joined it about 40 years ago. And, and you know, we hear our politicians, or even now, saying, well, we have the highest standards of this, that and the other in the world or Europe or whatever. But... But the Dutch have higher standards of food production than we have, and they won't allow the sewage to be spread on their farmland. So yeah,
1: that's what I thought was interesting is that it, it's actually banned in the Netherlands. So the Dutch obviously sat there and said, What are we going to do with all this shit? And someone said, Send it to the UK. They love it. it.
2: And uh, this is our great big trade opportunity, perhaps. You know, we'll just take yeah. shit from Europe. And uh, and spread it on on good old Blighty. There's a lot to laugh about in the story. But of course, there's a genuine human health risk. We have a sewage problem already uh, with it being spread on farmland uh, and leaking into our rivers, causing algae blooms and stuff. You know, we have a genuine water pollution problem here already. We have enough crap of our own, I would say, to deal (laughs) with. So uh, this is all kinds of wrong.
1: What about this? Uh, this is down to what we eat. And I, I know one of the areas that you're really verbal about, Dale, is, is, is about food and transportation of food, et cetera, and anything that feeds kind of into that, that, that agenda. a um, hundred million subsidized meals were eaten over since we've been away. This was the kind of eat-out-to-help-out scheme uh, where the Chancellor, of course, announced you can get 50% off or up to 10 quid per person or something on a meal. Uh, And the Treasury telling us it's been a a huge success, but it, it came at a price.
2: Yeah, all kinds of wrong, this story. In August, we spent 500 million pounds subsidising junk food, uh, in uh, in essence junk food, but fast food, you know, eating out. And I just think it's wrong because only uh, only weeks before this was announced, the government had to be shamed into extending free school meals through the summer by Marcus Rashford and others. That was a total cost of 120 million to just to give kids that can't otherwise afford to eat dinner, and and then they go and launch this 500 million splurge of of um, fast food discounts for people that not only can afford to eat but can afford to eat out there's been no help for people that are trying to feed their families no discounts at supermarkets there's been no help for people with energy bills but if you can afford to eat out the government are going to give you 50 percent off just all kinds of wrong and half a billion pounds in one month yeah oh my god uh, on on
1: burgers which sits you know one would have to reasonably say slightly at odds with the anti-obesity message they're also trying to send
2: (laughs) out yeah Yeah, just another contradiction from from our dear old government uh,
1: here's a question from christopher on facebook Uh, hello from austria Uh, loving zero carbonista can i get a forest green shirt here please
0: yeah you
2: absolutely can Uh, we've got an online shop if you go to the fgr website yeah you definitely can christopher
1: Good work. Uh, And on that note, I mean, let's stick with the footballing aspects of your your life here, which I know is really dear to to, to everything that you, you you care about and and everything that makes you function i suppose because it's quite encompassing isn't it i mean it's not, it's not a sideline I mean, this is something that you know probably takes up as much as your time as running ecotricity i would guess
2: it's certainly become a big part of my life yeah since we rescued forest green and turned it into yeah. a green football club um and, and that kind of stuff well so on on that world. point then tell us who is Hector? Oh, yeah, Hector. Uh, well, we had a great chat yesterday by Zoom, and I think we're publishing that uh, shortly. Basically, Hector Bellerin plays for Arsenal in the Premiership. He's uh, been vegan for a little while. He's got a bit of an eco-agenda. And he reached out a few weeks ago said, could you get involved in the club? Uh, could he help out? He likes what we're doing and stuff. And he's just become our second biggest shareholder uh, as of this week. And, um, yeah, happy Fantastic. days. He's a great guy. He was telling me in, in the... Um, in the chat we had, he actually came to play FGR seven years ago. We had a pre-season friendly with Arsenal, and they brought their under-23s, and he hadn't broken through into the first. Wow! Uh, and he remembered coming out of London on a long bus journey to Forest Green, thinking, <laughs> "Where, where's this?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's have a listen to what he said.
0: I played the friendly six, seven years ago against Forest Green Rovers in pre-season. Obviously, back then. I mean, I had only been in the UK for a couple of years. So the only thing I knew about them is like that they were really far from London. <laughs> and that was a <laughs> that was a long coach journey. And um then obviously I started seeing a lot of stuff in the media and I remember like, yo, I played against these guys, you know. Even even at the time when I when I started hearing things, I wasn't I wasn't even vegan then or, you know, I wasn't using my platform as, as I am today. When I when I went vegan myself, you know, I started like doing more stuff for the environment and you know, I was I was reading all these things, I was like, Yo, I wanna I wanna meet these guys, I wanna help them if I can, like this is this is so good not just for the environment, etc., but for football, you know, it's such a good example that there's so many people that feel that there is no solution for the problems that we have today. But, you know, you have a team playing in, in one of the top four leagues in England, you know, they have to travel a lot, they have to eat healthy, they have to like do all these things, they have to keep their the ground like, you know, looking clean at all times and and they're, they're they're basically carbon neutral, and like how is this possible and then I started researching more into the into the subject, and you know it got me to to being here today and obviously, like I told you before like i'm I'm so excited to to be able to be a part of this of this family and like you know help with like whatever I can because I feel as as humans we just need to like help the people that are changing the world for the better, and obviously you know if we can see first winning in the premier in, in a few years then <laughs> then even better <bad> for everyone <laughs>
2: The other thing I loved what he said was that uh, he, he chose to go vegan about three years ago. He would had some injury issues and he thought it might help him. And you know that is a fairly common path for people to take. But he said it's, it, it seemed improbable because he didn't like vegetables. Uh, he was a big meat eater and he actually didn't like vegetables. And when he told his mother, she's like, "But you don't like vegetables. How is that going
1: to work? <laughs> How is this going to work?" Well, he's and then she's
2: become a vegan and she's become a really big vegan advocate. Which
1: fantastic. Is fantastic. He's made it work. Good work. Um, this from Lee on Twitter. How are those? solar parks coming along. Any news,
2: Dale? There is some news, actually. We, we had two that we were going to build uh, this summer. And when lockdown came along and all that kind of disruption happened, we had to put it on hold. Uh, we hoped for next spring, and that looks probable now. Uh, and what we did in the downtime, we, we investigated some new aspects of solar, which we quite like the look of so there's the thing called uh, bifacial panels which generate electricity on two sides of the of the solar panel which is quite new and um, trackers which are not that new but making them economic seems to be so so we we looked at uh, adding trackers and bifacials to our two solar parks fortunately for us one of them doubled in grid capacity in the lockdown i don't know why but uh, instead of having 7 megawatts we were suddenly offered 15 so we're going back into planning to extend that, add some trackers. They're a little bit taller than ground-based and add bifacials. And so we're going to have bigger uh, sun parks, but also more productive as well. And and so it's kind of been a really productive delay for us. When we <coughs> do build them next year, they'll be uh, super modern using some new technology and techniques. And uh, bigger as well so happy days we should start work in the spring
1: and also this new research suggests that power companies are dragging their feet when it comes to embracing green energy sources such as wind and the aforementioned solar only one in ten energy suppliers globally have prioritized renewables over fossil fuels you know as somebody on the outside of this dale i find this unfathomable i i I sense my six-year-old could explain the lack of sense in this to some of these companies. So what are what am I missing or what are
2: they missing? Yeah, it's job to know, isn't it? I mean, there's just too much business as usual going on in the world of energy companies. Um, and, and the survey, what it did was these guys, they looked at the amount of money being spent by energy companies on fossil fuels versus renewable energy. And they found that most uh, were still spending more on fossil fuels than they're spending on renewable energy. Even though spending on renewables has gone up, it hasn't yet reached the point where it's the dominant spending by most energy companies in the world. So we've got a way to go yet. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the number one thing on the agenda in any boardroom right now? Yeah, you, you would think so. I would think so. But actually, usually number one on the agenda is making money. Hmm. And right now, I think these companies have got a lot invested in fossil fuels. They can still make money from fossil fuels as a business they know and understand. And and so we've got some way to go.
1: Is it as simple as that? Is is it just the balance books? They look at this and say, okay, we know there are alternatives. But in the meantime, we're trying to keep shareholders happy here. We're trying to make sure our company remains buoyant. We don't want to go into uncharted waters just yet. So this is something we're familiar with. So we'll just carry on doing it.
2: Yeah, totally. It is exactly about that. It is all about about making money that's the conventional business model and they can see that they need to change um but of course they want to take plenty of time about making that change so as yeah. well, politicians as well talk about 2050 is the time by which we reach net zero i mean 30 years from now it's that's far too long we can make the transition faster if they want to but they currently don't want to they want to take the time about it gotcha uh, Sharon on Facebook
1: says, are you doing any live events for your book? For those who don't know, and if you listen to this podcast regularly, you would know there is a book. So what's the, what's, what's the status of the book? I know it's finished. Uh, is it out there? Is it on the shelves?
2: Uh, no, I actually, I thought it was finished a month ago, but I don't know anything about writing a book. So then we spent August doing some copy edits and tweaks and adding some photographs. And it's finally finished, uh, like this week, right. uh, finished, finished, ready to go to the printers. Uh, publication date is uh, 27th of November. And I think we're going to go for a launch around about the middle of November and start doing uh, some virtual and maybe some real world, uh, book events yeah. as well. Cause you know, real world might be back by then. Um, It's on the Forest Green website at the moment, so you can buy it pre-order. We've got a very special story in the uh, final chapter. Uh, We're going to break that one in the middle of October anyway. I think we're going to launch the idea, something we've been working on for a long time. There's there's a lot to say about it that I can't say right now, but it is finished, and you can pre-order, and it is coming. It's out there and it's called? Uh, It's it's called, I miss all the basics. It's called Manifesto.
1: Yeah. I like it. I mean, it's, who's not going to buy a book called Manifesto. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, you know i mean i really enjoyed writing it because uh, chapter 13 is manifesto and it is this uh it's how we get to zero carbon and it's brutally simple and yeah. and so doable we have the technology it's economic uh you know everything about it is right there are some uh, policy suggestions in there uh, but it's it's not dry it's not complicated yeah. and um, and i like it because it really just sets out what we need to do so i you know and i hope it has an impact
1: and just, without going into the details of what the the, the Specific of the manifesto. But what what is it that, you know, one, one would assume that the you know, our, our Westminster masters sitting there in Downing Street and the various government departments around Whitehall would, would be, a, I'm guessing they will be aware of the kind of thing that you've written in, the, but they'll be aware of the kind of suggestions and policy ideas. What is it that stops governments implementing something that I know you'll say – is is really simple. What, why do you think they they don't just say, "Okay, well, Dale knows what he's talking about. This is in his DNA. He runs an entire company that is based around all of this." Uh, what? what What do you see that they don't and why don't they see it?
2: I don't think they see a uh, simple or clear route to do this. And it's probably because I've spent the last uh, 20 odd years pursuing this kind of stuff. And the manifesto itself is a distillation of all of that. It's rooted in uh, what's doable, the technology that's here or coming very soon. It's rooted in economics uh, as well as the the climate drivers and stuff like that. I I think it's because I've, uh, I've lived it. For a couple of decades, uh, I've done it in all of these sectors, energy, transport, and food. And because that's the single focus of my life, whereas the average politician, particularly, let's say, in today's government, I mean, their heads are all over the place, aren't they? And, you know, the climate is one of those boxes they need to tick. They need to say the right things and reassure the population that they get it and they're going to do something about it, you know, by 2050. So I think it's a matter of priority as well. If they tackled it with the same kind of focus that we tackled uh, lockdown, uh, let's say, or not Don Cummings, obviously, because he didn't focus on that very well at all, Uh, then I think we could, you know, we could make immense progress in the next 10 years, we could do incredible things. So it really is about focus and priorities and having a clear vision of what needs to be done, because actually, the benefits of doing it far outweigh the benefits of not doing it from an economic point of view yeah you know, it's not something that's going to cost us to do it's something that's going to benefit us
1: sure and cost us to not do i suppose you could it that way <laughs> yeah, too that's
2: right. i mean it's a, it's a massive economic yeah. uh, opportunity we need to rebuild our economy we've got the chance to build a green one and you know it will fundamentally change everything if we do this or when we do this i should say i think yeah. the only question is when we finally get around to it and and the sooner the better
1: I think you should apologise, actually, to Dominic Cummings. Do you not know he's had trouble with his eyes?
2: (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes, And talk about kicking man when he's down, Dale. Come on.
2: Yeah, quite. Yeah, (laughs) I'll leave him alone.
1: (laughs) Final one from Danny on Twitter. You did touch on some of this. Uh, I've missed the podcast lots. Uh, Did you do anything on your month off?
2: Yeah, not so much. Uh, Well, I mean, not so much different to what I normally do. You know, uh, lots of work. We've got some big stories breaking next week, actually. We've been working on for quite a while. Uh, but yeah no just just more of the same you know uh, getting ready for football to come back as well that's been uh, quite quite busy in august generally enjoying myself we're we're building a couple of new websites a new app for forest green all sorts of stuff busy as hell really nice Um, just not recording podcasts and i'm glad to be back doing it i should say because uh, yeah i enjoy this
1: It's great. And I get loads of listeners on air. Contact me about it as well. So it's uh, we we are back. We are up and running. And there's we can't say too much on this episode, but there's going to be following this episode. There'll be a a sort of a mini um, podcast released as well later in the week. So more on that to come. Uh, Dale, we'll speak to you on the next one. Fab, looking forward to it. And that's it for this one. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Make sure you leave a review too. Really important bit, make sure you follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East On.